0: ongoing The Fire of the Upper Room Spotify, as well as Spreaker, Blog Talk Radio, Podbean, and SoundCloud. If you remember from last week, I, uh... Let you know that there's two shofars now. The first shofar is to call you to attention. And the second one will be to prepare for the word. Welcome. I'm Richard Grund. Glad that you're here. New videos have been posted in the private Vimeo folder. If you have access to it, Firefall Network on YouTube is up and running and active. You can subscribe there as well. And we have been using social media more for The Porch. We start out with praise reports and prayer requests in the community part of The Porch. If you don't want to be a part of that, go to the second shofar and write into the Bible study. But if you do and you'd like to send us praise reports and prayer requests, please do so. Either at the email, theporch at firefalltalkradio.com. You can go to the main homepage or you can re- go to the Facebook page for Firefall Talk Radio. We like to edify one another. We like to share what the Lord is doing with you and also to be able to pray for you. We start out praise reports and prayer requests. Of course, I always praise the Lord for my salvation. Without that, I'm not here and I'm off doing something else that has nothing to do with his kingdom, but he saved me, he redeemed me. Gave me back my family, my wife, my sons. Gave me daughter-in-laws, grandson, all these furry kids that we've had. He gave me family, and family is very important to me. I praise him for his provision, his protection over each and every one of us, for the dreams and the visions. We're living out Joel 2.28, for his healing virtues and the health. And if you're not feeling positive about that, you should. Speak to things not as they are, but as they should be. So I say to you, in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, be healed. Praise Him for His abiding favor, divine abiding favor, for the revelation of the Holy Spirit, for all of us being new creations and living in these prophetic times. We're going to touch on that a little bit tonight. We start out prayer by praying for the peace of Jerusalem, Psalm 122, verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, may they prosper who love you. We pray for Jerusalem, we pray for Israel, we pray for its leadership, as I pray also for America's leadership and for God to shed his grace upon us, to protect, protect us, excuse me, and to intervene for us. We pray for all the people being victimized, whether by their leaders or by evil people, or, or the enemy. There's a lot of people out there that need our prayers, the fatherless, the widows, the persecuted, the martyred, the poor in spirit, the innocents, the oppressed, and those that are victims of injustice. I hope you pray with me against the slaughter of the innocents, both in and out of the womb, both human and animal. For Michigan-exploited children, the victims of human sex trafficking, we need to continue to hammer that in prayer and for God to expose it and to redeem those that have been victimized. For our brothers and sisters around the world being persecuted for their faith, slaughtered, their places of worship, destroyed. There's a growing religious persecution and anti-Semitism going on around the world. And that, to me, is the spirit of the Antichrist that we know has been around since the days of the Apostles. But I believe it's acting a little more aggressive, thinking that it's time of unveiling is coming. But we are the church. We are empowered. We push back against that. Pray for divine wholeness, health, and healing as we get back to our divine design No matter what you're going through, no matter what injury, disease, no matter what has happened, I pray that you would go back to your divine design and your body would do in accordance with his original design for you. Praying for all that are injured or sick, that we would have his Psalm 91 protection, that we would have the inspiration and the fire of the Holy Spirit, that as his remnant, We would wake up, rise up, do what we've been called to do, and that maybe that means being a blessing or telling others who've been blessed to be a blessing. Firefall, SRT, the porch, there are needs, there are things that we need to do that we want to do, and we're praying his blessings to do that. And we always pray for our lost family members to be saved, to be healed, to be delivered, get their names written into the Lamb's book of life. Again, the only um, praise report, prayer request I have is from Kim in Fort Mitchell, who I always commend for being diligent and um, committed. Said, I hope all's well. She's doing good. She thanks God for her salvation and her recovery. Praises him for her children, her husband, mother, and her dog, Bruno. Pet Bruno for me. Kim, just pat him on the, hat, the head and say, this is from Richard. She says, thank you, Father, for your love and your guidance. I'm praying for protection and that you would continue to provide for my family. She's praying for my husband's and my mother's soul. Protect the porch community. Praying for people and animals out there in the cold that don't have a place to stay. Father, give them shelter, protect them, and continued prayer for this legal matter in Germany to be safe, settled, and for favor in Jesus' name. Now Lord, you know these things, but you told us to come to you, to share them with you, to petition you, to be like the importunate widow and never to stop knocking. So that's what we're doing. We're knocking, we're seeking believe in. For Kim's needs, what she has mentioned, and all the things being mentioned right now by the listeners, we bring them to you. We lay them before you. We ask you to be as good as your word, that we as your children count on you and pray that you would answer these prayers. But we love you. No matter what you do, we love you. that Nothing will change that. You loved us when we were unlovable. You made a way when there was no way. And that included sending your only begotten Son, Jesus of Nazareth, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, to die for us. So thank you. Thank you, Lord, for what you did. Thank you for what you're doing. And thank you for what you will do. We are blessed in your name. We are highly favored in your name. We are more than conquerors in your name, the name above all names. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for his continued presence, that he abides with us, he guides us, he walks with us, he talks with us, he teaches us, he encourages us. So Holy Spirit, have your way. We bless the technology. We bless this time together. Let it do what you desire for this night to do. And I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. Your Bible should be open, you should be ready. Go with me to the book of Romans, chapter 13, starting with verse 11. And do this, knowing the time, that it is now high time to awake out of our sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, and the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. You know. What a critical hour this is. How it is high time now for you to wake up out of your sleep, roused to reality. For salvation, final deliverance is nearer to us now than when we first believed. We first adhered to, trusted in, and relied on Messiah. The night is far gone. The day is almost here. Then let us drop, let us fling away all the works and deeds of darkness and put on the full armor of light. What a critical hour this is, Paul says. It's time to wake up, therefore, get ready for the battle between night and day, between light and darkness. He's saying you're a part of it because you believe in him. Drop all the cares and the ways of this world, and get battle ready. If you don't see that, if you don't feel that right now on Wednesday, December first, twenty twenty-one, I don't, I don't understand that. The Book of Romans was written from Corinth during Paul's three-month stay in his third missionary journey to a church that was in existence since around 49 A.D. And the Bible scholars date the, the book of Romans to anywhere between 55 and 57 A.D. Most agree it was in the winter of 56 A.D. into 57 A.D. And he's painting a picture of those believers of being asleep or inactive. In 2021, some things never change. The word salvation here refers to the future when believers will be saved from the presence of sin in a fallen world. Therefore, salvation speaks of the imminent return of the Lord. Now that word imminent means likely to occur at any moment. Therefore, no matter how long ago this was written... It's still imminent. He's outside of time. It could occur at any moment. The New Testament speaks of salvation, that salvation, as the final victory over sin and death when Yeshua returns in glory. It says that in Romans 5, starting verse 9. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, we, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of, his, death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. There's a battle going on all around us, whether you see it, whether you believe it, whether you acknowledge it or not, and it's a battle between night and day and darkness and light. And it's still going on. Every day, Isaiah 5 verse 20 comes to mind. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. There are days I think we live in a bizarro world. Everything is backwards. What should be isn't what shouldn't be, is. And that word night is the present present age that we live in, in Satan's domain. Satan is the god of this world. And the day refers to the new life with Messiah during his glorious millennial reign. It's at hand. It's imminent. He could return at any moment. So, you should shine. And the way you shine is to be on your best behavior in the midst of that darkness. Philippians 4, 5. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. James 5, 8. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. First Peter 4, 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Now, because we live in a fast food, name it and claim it, quick claim society, we don't understand the concept that here we are, almost 2,000 years later, still waiting. It's imminent, it could happen at any moment. Are you ready? That day of salvation, it's the day of the Lord when God's plan culminates. And it's also the day when he comes once and for all to shut down the kingdom of darkness. Isaiah 13, verse 6. Well, for the day of the Lord is at hand, it will come as destruction from the Almighty. Therefore, all hands will be limp. Every man's heart will melt, and they will be afraid. Pangs and sorrows will take hold of them. They will be in pain as a woman in childbirth. They will be amazed at one another. Their faces will be like flames. Behold, the day the Lord comes, cruel with both wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he will destroy its sinners from it. For the stars of the heavens and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be darkened in its going forth and the moon will not cause its light to shine. I will punish the world for it is evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will halt the arrogance of the proud and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make a mortal more rare than fine gold, a man more than the golden wedge of fear. Therefore I will shake the heavens and the earth will move out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. Now you might say, how can a loving God do this? How could a loving God flood the entire earth and only save eight people, Noah and his family? Well, at the rate we're going with certain things going on, that are affecting our DNA, and their specific desire to use their knowledge of the human DNA to change the way we are. I can easily see that for the same reasons he did it the first time, he'll do it a second time. Joel 2.32, And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance as the Lord has said among the remnant whom the Lord calls. This rapture concept, a lot of people want to argue about it. I don't. I know what I believe. I know what I believe the word says, and I will hold to it. But if you want to stay, if you want to be here during this time, go right ahead. Since we are not bound to suffer the time of Jacob's trouble, I do not believe the church will be here. You shouldn't want to be here. You should be praying that he snatches you out of here. Second Thessalonians 2.3 Let no one deceive or beguile you in any way. For that day will not come except the apostasy comes first. Unless the predicted great falling away of those who have professed to be Christians has come. And the man of lawlessness, the man of sin, is revealed who is the son of doom, the son of perdition. I believe we're in the process of the falling away. I believe we're in the onset of the days of Noah. And that falling away, apostasia, is a defection. It's a revolt. It's a defection from the truth, and it's a revolt from his truth. Forsaking the spirit of truth. Falling away from the Lord is a form of divorce. You have violated the marriage covenant with him when you do that. See, the tradition of moral instruction in the ancient world associated light and daytime with good and darkness and nighttime with evil. And I can tell you from my practices in the New Age and the occult And also from my time serving the Lord on the front lines and everything I've done over these 33 years, there's a lot more evil that occurs at night. They're a lot more active at night. The Greeks, the Romans, and the ancient Jews all used this contrast. The Lexham Bible Dictionary says light and darkness together describes the opposite ends of a good evil dualism. That pervades biblical symbolic language. The specific referent of light or darkness in a particular text must be assessed based on its context. But the essential meaning of the dualism remains true throughout both the Old and the New Testaments. We see that. We see that in the way the Lord speaks. The red letter basics make it really clear That there's a battle going on. John chapter 3 verses 19 and 20 talks about the condemnation of the world and those who have rejected him. And this is the condemnation. That light has come into the world. And men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. When I did security at nighttime, you always watched for the shadows. You watched for the darkness. You could always tell if somebody was going in that direction, they were probably not about to do something good. As believers, we belong to the day. We belong to the light, and we should be living out those values. We should be living out those values. We should be known by the choices we make that we are of the light. Because dark deeds, demonic deeds are typical of nighttime. The night that we're living in, that we're seeing, is far gone, and the day is almost here. So let us drop, fling away the worthless steeds of darkness, and put on the full armor of light. Let us live and conduct ourselves honorably and becomingly, as in the open light of day, not in reveling, which is carousing and partying, or drunkenness, not in immorality and debauchery, which is sensuality and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy, but clothe yourself with Jesus the Messiah, and make no provision for indulging the flesh. Put a stop to thinking about the evil cravings of your physical nature to gratify its desires and its lust, Like the woman caught in adultery from John 8 that we talked about a couple of weeks ago when he said, go and sin no more. Stop doing what you're doing. Don't do it anymore. How many of our problems would go away If we started with whatever the what was and said, I'm going to stop doing this. So in Romans 13, Paul gave the believers of that day eight commands. Cast off the works of darkness, put on the armor of light, walk decently and well behaved, stop carousing, partying and drinking, Quit all immoral living. Refrain from quarreling, contention, and jealousies. And clothe ourselves with the character of the Lord. And then finally, make no provision for lust. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the things that we are bombarded with. Turning a want into a need, which that Becomes greed. In Matthew 4.16, Isaiah 9 is quoted. Matthew 4.16 says, The people who sat enveloped in darkness have seen a great light. And those who sat in the region of the shadow of death, light has dawned. Something about that dawn, there's something about watching the sun come up and the light dissipate. Well, Isaiah 9 takes it a little further. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about light versus darkness during the Hanukkah season. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. This is Isaiah 9, starting verse 2. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy They rejoice before you according to the joy of the harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the days of Midian. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever. For the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. There will be no justice in this world until he comes back. There will be no peace in this world until the Prince of Peace returns. The light was bringing the Messiah who would dispel the darkness. So go with me to John chapter 10, starting with verse 22. Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Yeshua walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Yeshua answered them, I told you, and you did not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe, because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. John mentions Yeshua attending the feast six times. This particular feast is the feast of dedication which is Hanukkah. Now the Pharisees are there and they're participating in the celebration and they confront him and basically they are saying, don't keep us in suspense, tell us. Just like the world says now, show us, tell us who you are. Not because they really want to know, not because they want to follow him, but they want to mock him and attack him. That's all the Pharisees wanted to do. But see, this memorial was important to Israel. It was important to the Lord. He showed up. It was a commemoration of the victory of the Maccabees over Antiochus Epiphanes, over the Assyrians. And you won't find this in your Bible, but it's in First Maccabee chapter 4. They have beaten them. Now, if you remember, I've taught on this many times. Antiochus Epiphanes was a foreshadowing of the Antichrist. He was an evil, demonically possessed man. He killed a lot of people. He slaughtered and slaughtered and tortured a lot of Jews, set them on fire, hacked them up, threw them off of roofs. He did evil, debased demonic things. And then he took a cow and slaughtered it on the altar of the temple. He defiled the temple. He put up a statue of Zeus and he wanted people to worship him. So Judah, after his father started the fight, takes over the battle. And he and his brothers and a small army of guerrilla fighters defeat them and drive them off, reclaimed Jerusalem, and reclaim the temple. Judas and his brothers said, See, our enemies are crushed. Let us go up and cleanse the sanctuary and dedicate it. So all the army assembled went up to Mount Zion. There they saw the sanctuary desolate, the altar profaned, and the gates burned. In the courts they saw bushes sprung up as in thicket, Whereas on one of the mountains they saw the chambers of the priest in ruins. They tore their clothes and mourned with great lamentation. They sprinkled themselves with ashes and fell face down on the ground. And when the signal was given with the trumpets, they cried out to heaven. You have to understand the emotion that's happening here. They have fought for years, they have fought against these oppressors. At one point, it looked like the oppressors were going to win. They had stopped the worship of the one true God. They have defiled and killed any priest who stood up to them, seduced and corrupted any priest who was willing to side with the Assyrians. This was a battle between light and darkness. This was the battle between good and evil. This was a battle between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of darkness, between the creator and the fallen one we call Hasatan, Satan. The battle has never ended. This was just one very dramatic event. But it shows us what's coming. It shows up what's going to happen. So Judah detailed men to fight against those in the citadel until he had cleansed the sanctuary. He chose blameless priests devoted to the law, and they cleansed the sanctuary and removed the defiled stones to an unclean place. They deliberated what to do about the altar of burnt offering, which had been profaned. They thought it best to tear it down so that it would not be a lasting shame to the Gentiles that had defiled it. You know, folks, sometimes you can't redeem the profaned. You have to start over. So they tore down the altar and stored the stones in a convenient place on the temple hill until a prophet should come and tell them what to do. They then took unhewn stones as the law directs and built a new altar like the former one. They also rebuilt the sanctuary the interior of the temple and consecrated the courts. They made new holy vessels and brought the lampstand, the altar of incense, and the table into the temple. Then they offered incense on the altar and lit the lamps on the lampstand, and these gave light in the temple. They placed the bread on the table and hung the curtains. Thus they finished all the work they had undertaken. Now early on the morning of the 25th day of the ninth month, which is the month of Shizlev. In the 148th year, they rose and offered sacrifice, as the law directs, on the new altar of burnt offering they had built. And at the very season, on the very day when the Gentiles had profaned it, it was dedicated with songs and harps and lutes and cymbals. I guess they made a joyful noise. All the people fell on their faces and worshipped and blessed heaven who had prospered them. So they celebrated the dedication of the altar for eight days and joyfully offered burnt offerings. They offered a sacrifice of well-being and a thanksgiving offering. They dedicated the front of the temple with golden crowns and small shields. They restored the gates and the chambers for the priest and fitted them with doors. It was very great joy among the people, and the disgrace brought by the Gentiles was removed. Then Judah and his brothers and all the assembly of Israel determined that every year at that season, the days of the dedication of the altar should be observed with joy and gladness for eight days, beginning with the 25th day of the month of Kislev. We see that had a problem. There was only one bottle of oil that had been sealed by the high priest, which means it had been made, placed into a container, and sealed and proven that it had been done properly. They only had one day's worth of oil for the lamps. They needed eight. They didn't have time to make the eight. And as the story goes, and I believe it to be true, the oil lasted for eight days, because I believe the Holy Spirit became the oil in that lamp. So Judah Maccabee commemorated the purification of the temple that had been defiled by the spirit of the Antichrist in Antiochus Epiphanes that 25th day of Kislev, the 164th year B.C. It's the only... Jewish festival that's not specifically mentioned in the Hebrew Bible, but they celebrated it. We know that the Lord did. The Feast of Dedication, the 25th day, Kislev, which is December. One candle lit until eight are lit. Eight is the number of new beginnings. This was a new light in a new season. And that's what I'm calling you to, a new light in a new season. I'm calling you to a new fire in a new season. I believe this is the time to cast off the works of darkness, cast off the sleep, get ready for the light, get dressed for battle, and let's finish this job. The Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible says light is a natural symbol for what is pleasant, good or uplifting or what is associated with important people and more especially with God. As I worked on this today, I kept hearing this next scripture, John eight twelve. And Yeshua spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness but have the light of life. I believe that there's so much darkness right now because there's not enough light. Let me say that again in case that went over your head. I believe that there's more darkness right now because there's not enough of his light in the world. We're not shining bright enough. We're not doing what we were supposed to be doing. Even Job recognized the difference. Job 12.22, speaking of Jehovah God, he uncovers deep things out of darkness and brings the shadow of death to light. When he was going through all his trouble. Jacob remembered that God's lamp shone upon his head, and by his light he walked through the darkness. Job 29.3 By his light I walked through the darkness. The only reason you make it through the darkness is because of his light, either given to you in his grace and his love and his mercy, or shining from somebody else who cares enough about you to do it. This morning, I I get up early in the morning, every morning, to take the dogs out. Big dogs have to go. Got to take them out. Thankfully, our dogs don't have accidents, but why risk it? Anyway, got up. I feed them. I go through the process of feeding them. It's a little dark. I don't turn the, the lights on, don't make everything too bright, and I dropped the lid for something I was using. And I'm looking, and there's, there's a decent amount of lightness in the room between the uh, light over the stove and a salt lamp that we use. But I could not see this lid. So I finally had to get out my iPhone, flip on the flashlight, and it was right there at my feet. But I couldn't see it in the darkness. I needed a little more light to be able to see it. Whatever you're going through right now, whatever's happening around you, it's going to take a little more light. And if you don't have it, then you gotta ask for it. You have to reach for it. You gotta stir it up, you have to do something instead of sitting there in the darkness going, Oh woe is me. We we don't need any more pity parties. We don't need to be like the children of Israel, complaining to Moses all the time. I mean, I, I thought about that. Larry and I was speaking about that uh, today, about how they just complained all the time. And I thought, would it have been funny if Moses would have stood up on a rock and said, Hey, who's got the cheese for all this wine you got? Come on. It's the nature of man to complain. We don't need wine, W-H-I-N-E. We need new wine, W-I-N-E. We need some fire. We need to get checked up in the Holy Spirit. We need to understand it's time to wake up. Oh, you think you're awake? Oh, no, no, I can wake you up. You're not awake. You just think you are. Hanukkah, is consecration, it's dedication. Tonight was the fourth candle. We're halfway through. This is the time every year that I get fired up, that I, I get rededicated for the coming new year in the Gregorian calendar. It's a time of renewing. It's a time of renovation. And that's what you want. Maybe you've gone through a tough time, a broken marriage, a broken relationship. You've lost a job. The I mean, pandemic has hurt you in some way, shape, or form. Maybe you've had a sickness, an illness, or a disease. You want renewal. You want him to make all things new. You want him to take you, take your situation, take your life, take your finances, and do something new with it. You don't want what came before. You don't want to feel what you felt before. You don't want to have what you had before. You want better. So what you want is more of him. You want more of the Holy Spirit. You want more of the fire. You want more of the word. You want more so that you can do more. I mean, this madman, Antiochus Epiphanes, who declared himself a god, worshipped false gods, demonic gods, fallen angels in the temple. And thankfully, first Judah's father, and then he and his brothers stood up and said no. Thankfully, other men stood up with him and they ran out into the hills, and they hid in the hills and the caves, and they fought this overwhelming army. They were the remnant. They were the fighters. They were the guys that are going to be here at the end when Hasatan and the fallen who come out of the pit, and those things that come out of the pit are ruling the earth. They're the ones that are going to witness. They're the ones that are going to fight back. Not exactly them, but that same spirit, those type of men and women I can't even imagine, how, knowing how they felt about the temple, to see what they had done there. And the slaughter, of both the human blood and the animal blood that just permeated that city and every building. How it felt to look at that when they were finally free enough to do something about it. And the passion they had for cleansing it and getting it ready. A new altar for sacrifices, song, and worship for eight days. Worshiping him. Praising him. Preparing for a new beginning. That's what they celebrate every year. The victory of light over darkness, over good, over evil, over the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God over the kingdom of darkness. Now, it was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. That's what John ten twenty two said. That's what the Lord was doing. He was there to celebrate the Feast of Dedication. Winter represents deadness, barrenness. An unregenerate state. We're in a winter in America. We're in winter in this world. We're in winter in the church. There's no foliage. There's no fruit. Everything's barren. Looks dead. Needs some artificial heat because it's not generating any of its own. And it needs people that know how to do that. Everything I just said represents the church of 2021. The cold of winter temp- typifies the state of those who are strangers to the comforting glow and the pureness of, of spiritual fire. It's a time that is desperate for sunshine. S-O-N, shine. It's a time that is desperate for his presence. And it's usually because of man's negligence that we're there. But he can redeem it. He can renew it. He can raise up people that will do something about it. Winter creates sorrow in people's souls. People get depressed in winter. But they know what's coming. The spring rain, the refreshing rain of spring. We know what's coming. The refreshing rain of the Holy Spirit. We know that he's coming. The king is coming. So while it looks harsh like the season of winter does, we know that God is doing something else. We know that he's going to do both redemption and punishment. And we should never revel in the punishment. We should never celebrate those that are going to suffer. That's not his nature. We shouldn't do that. We should turn our thoughts to him. We should turn our thoughts to the kingdom. We should turn our thoughts to saving others and helping others and shining the light in the darkness. We should turn our thoughts to developing a spiritual life inside of us that causes love and compassion and a desire to serve. It should cause us to shine in the darkness. To shine out of that deep darkness, to show people the way. Winter's necessary, though. It's a form when one life passes to another. You cannot get to spring and to summer and to the harvest without winter, it can't stop what's coming. It's just a part of the process. So here we are. We're in Hanukkah. We celebrate it. And I know that he's the light of the world. I know that he's the light in the darkness. He's the great light that those sitting in deep darkness are looking for. And I do, I think a lot about Judah Maccabee. From what I've read about him, we probably would get along. My kind of guy. His zeal for his God was so great that the size of the army and the madman in charge of it did not dissuade him. That's passion. That's zeal. But what's really sad is when the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, the lighting of the lamps left the temple and went into the private homes. And it's sad because the Jews missed the message. The message was... He's out. He's left the building. He's in the homes now. He's doing exactly what Yeshua said he would do. The temple veil's been ripped. He's out. He's about. He's with his kids. No more does he have to hide. No more does he have to lay back. According to the Holman Bible Dictionary, Light is identified with the divine presence of the Shekinah glory that shed lights. It's the meaning of the light in the Gospel of John and First John, but it is the meaning in the person of Yeshua, the true light, who gives light to everyone. That's why he came into the world. The battle between night and day. And darkness and light will go on until he returns, and there is no more light. John chapter 8, starting verse 16. No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Therefore, take heed how you hear. For whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken from him. What he's saying there is you've been given a light, shine. Your light will lead others to him his light will expose all the hidden things. You're hoping a man will do that. You're hoping a system will do that. The same corrupt evil system that created the things going on in the darkness in the first place, they don't expose themselves. They'll put on a little show like they're going to do that, but they never do. It's his light. That's the light I pray for. I pray for His light to shine into all the corners. His light to shine into the shadows. His light to shine through us to lead the people home. So until He comes and does that, shine. Shine His light. Burn with a zeal for Him. No matter who you are, male, female, young, old, healthy. I don't don't care what your status in this world is. You can lead somebody out of the darkness. You can lead someone to him. And if we join together, we can push back that darkness. We can illuminate an entire area. We can take back entire principalities just by being us in him. So, Abba, Father, Papa, God, Daddy, I come to you as your son, as your servant, as your priest. And I'm asking right now to all that are listening and are willing, you know by their heart, what's going on in their mind if they're willing. I pray right now you would turn up the fire inside of them. Maybe you have to bathe them in some oil. Maybe the the light's gone down a little bit. Maybe you have to dump some oil from heaven upon them. I'm asking you to do that. Sanctify them. Change them. And inspire them with the fire of the Holy Spirit. And let them shine for you. Let this Hanukkah season... A time of dedication and renewal. Change each and every one of us to go forward, go forth, and to finish the job. And shake the world one last time before the return of the King. And I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grunn. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. <laughs>